are listening to the Innovo Podcast, a ministry of Innovo Vineyard Church in Wichita, Kansas. To learn more about Innovo, you can visit us online at innovovineyard.com. We hope you enjoy this message from God's Word. All right, we're in a series called Parables, and we're going to do a few today, but uh, I want to tell you a little story. We were in, in uh, Vegas a couple weeks ago, and Never been there before, weird place for me, and we're just trying to figure out what, what's what. So we just kind of walked around from hotel to hotel. Everyone's got a different theme, and we're checking everything out. It was kind of interesting, and we're tired. It's 117 degrees outside, so we're just running from building to building. And we got to this one place. I can't remember which one it was. And we were just tired, and we, which, which one was it, Mir? Or Jules? It was Park MGM. Okay, Park M- MGM. Yeah, Italian theme. And so we're, we're there, and we go back to the restrooms, and we're sitting down hanging out, and the girls use the restroom, so I hold the purses. Guys, any, any guys do that besides me? All the girls go to the bathroom. I'm holding, you know, 50 purses. And they go to the bathroom, and they come out, and then we go on to some other ones, and we get about two or three hotels down the way, and Julie goes, where's my phone? <laughs> and like, oh, I don't know. And she, goes, and she knew exactly where it was. So we, we rushed back through the 117 degrees and two or three different hotels, get all the way back through this place, and it's not there. And phones are, you know, you know, back when I got my first phone, it was a flip phone. It was like $79. Now phones are like 1000 bucks if you buy a new one. You know, they're not cheap. And so there was some concern. So we, well, let's go talk to security. Went and talked to security. And there was uh, a guy says, well, is it a red phone? And we said, yeah. Does it have flower, pink flowers on it? <laughs> you know? And Jules says, yes. And they had it. So we, so we followed them around and got our phone and, and uh, got her phone and everything was good. And I don't know about you. Have you ever lost something important to you? Have you ever lost something important? Now, me, if, if Mary was here, she'd be giving me a hard time. I tend to lose my wallet. I set it down places, you know, I just don't think about things. I only have so much brain energy to go around, so uh, my brain is not always connected to where my wallet is or where my phone is. So every, every once a month, I'll, like, where's my wallet, and we'll dig for it, and we'll find it, you know. But years ago, when I was a youth pastor, I was taking our students to camp down in t- Tennessee, Maryville, Tennessee. And we're driving from Illinois down to Tennessee. We stop in Louisville, Kentucky for the night. And I've got probably 100 students with us heading down to Tennessee, um, staying in a retreat center. And, and I'm staying, we've got this new kid with us. And this kid was, he was, he'd just accepted Jesus, you know, as a savior. He was new, he was, he was rough, and had been involved in a lot of things. And that night I realized my phone was gone. And I'm thinking, oh, where's my phone? I'm thinking, and I'll be honest, I was thinking, man, I wonder if, I wonder if Joe took my phone. Nah. And I just felt the Lord say, don't, you know, don't accuse anybody, everything's fine, or took my wallet. And I just let it sit, and we all looked for it, no one can find it. I woke up in the morning, and I had stuffed it in a bag that I didn't realize it was in there. I didn't normally put it in there, because I had my ID, and I had my, you know, my license to drive people down to camp, and all my money in it, and everything was fine, but... I had that moment of panic. And you know, the more valuable something is to you, the more urgency there is when you look for it. You know, there's more passion that you have looking for something that's lost 
depending on how valuable it is to you. If it's nothing, if it doesn't matter, if you lose a dollar, well, who cares? If you lose a thousand dollars, there's a little different intensity in how you're going to look for this thing, you know? Um, here's another question for you. Have, have you ever been lost? Have you ever been lost? You know, we could probably all tell stories today, couldn't we, of times when we've been lost. I used to, we used to live in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We used to drive to the Smokies. And I hated driving to the Smokies because you had to go way out of your way up to Knoxville and then come down south. And we're down south in Chattanooga. And I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go all the way up there and loop back down. I'm going to take a shortcut. And every time I'd say, hey, I got a new way to go to Gatlinburg this year, my whole family would groan and they'd complain because they knew what that meant. And once we're going, this is the last time I took a shortcut, uh, we got out in the mountains and we got absolutely lost. No cell service, nothing. We're driving around and... What should have taken three hours probably took five, and my family never let me forget it. We might, we might be offended by this, but the Bible says that our natural condition um, before we come to God is lost. That's the word that the Lord uses, that before we come to Jesus, our state is lost. Isaiah 53, 6, it says, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoing of us all to fall on him. Who's, who's him? Jesus. It's very cool. Uh, some of us have gone astray. No, all of us have gone astray, okay? Gone astray here, the Hebrew word here, which I'm not going to try to pronounce, it means to err, to wander, to go astray, to stagger. The, the picture that Isaiah the prophet uses is to stagger off drunk. You're, you, I don't know. Raise your hand if you don't know. Um, you, you get drunk and we kind of, you know, you, if you've ever been intoxicated, had too much to drink, you can barely move, and you just kind of, you don't know where you're headed. You're stag you stagger off. And that's the word he uses for gone astray. Um, not a criticism, just a statement of fact to Isaiah the prophet. Before we come to the Lord Jesus, that's the word the Bible uses to describe us. And we've all gone astray from our purpose and from relationship with Him and looking for everything else to fulfill us. Sometimes we follow Jesus and we, and we get lost a little bit sometimes. Um, a lot of us remember what those days were like. There's a moral lostness. You know, we make some bad decisions that lead us to some really dark places. I tell my friends, um, life is less complicated when you follow Jesus and obey Him. Because when you just do what you want... Life gets complicated real fast. <laughs> Things get crazy. Uh, you can't find your purpose. You're searching for meaning everywhere. Never feel fulfilled. There's loneliness from being lost. If you've ever been lost, lost by yourself, it's, you, it's kind of a bad feeling to be like lost out in the woods or somewhere and you're all by yourself. And it, that describes it. And I like the prophetic statement that Isaiah made. Uh, 600, four to 600 years before Jesus showed up, he says... Uh, but the Lord has caused the wrongdoings of all of us to fall on Him. That the Lord Jesus took our sin and our shame and our lostness and our bad decisions on Himself. And there's total forgiveness there. Jesus put it like this, Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Lost. Do you know, you know who, he, who that was in reference to? There was a guy named Zacchaeus. You know who Zacchaeus was? Zacchaeus was a tax collector, uh, kind of a nefarious guy who cheated his own countrymen. 
and heard Jesus was passing through. He was short like me, so he climbed a tree to see Jesus come by. Jesus saw him through the Holy Spirit. He said, hey, I'm coming to your house today. The religious people got mad because Zacchaeus was a guy who made a lot of bad decisions. And Zacchaeus, just the fact that God connected with him and saw him, just repented and said, man, if I've cheated anybody, I'm going to give it back to them four times. Jesus said, salvation has come to this house today. But the religious leaders got upset, and Jesus says, I don't know why you're upset. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. And Zacchaeus was wandering. He had gone astray. He was lost, but he's coming back, and that's something to get excited about. Um, the, the word here that he uses um, to seek and save that which is lost, the word that he used, now we'll tell this one, this is a Greek word, apolumai, it means utter permanent destruction, to lose something forever through death. I didn't realize that word was so strong. Uh, for Isaiah, it meant astray, stagger off drunk, astray. Jesus uses that term lost, it means, it means utter destruction separated by death. It was a strong word that Jesus used. So today I, th I thought, let's, let's look at a couple parables that Jesus told about lost things. I'm not going to review what parables are today. We're just going to jump right into the story. Let me give you the background before we jump in. Uh, Luke 15, 1 and 2. It says, tax collectors, there's that term again, and other no notorious sinners. What's notorious mean? It means kind of well-known. Everybody knows your business, okay? Notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Cool. That, this made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people and even eating with them. They got upset because he wasn't hanging out with the right people. People that had made mistakes, go figure, because that's all of us, flocked to Jesus because Jesus was so good at loving people who had made mistakes. That's one reason we love him. All of us in here, man, we have, we have all screwed up. We have made bad decisions. Maybe we're making bad decisions right now. If you're making bad decisions in here right now, how does God feel about you? He loves you. He cares about you and where you are. He knows it all, but he loves you. And man, people were drawn to him. In fact, there was a guy named Levi, also known as Matthew, who wrote, wrote the first gospel, the book of Matthew. You've read that? And he was a tax collector, and he had just, Jesus called him to be a disciple, and that shook him up and got him, he, he made some changes and started to follow Jesus, and he brought all his friends, hey, you got to meet this guy, and all his friends came, and the, the religious people got really, really upset, and Jesus got frustrated because they were upset. Now, the religious leaders, um, I think this is interesting, had two classifications of sinners, in that day. You had the upper class sinners, the notorious tax collectors, cheaters, extortionists, you know, um, the tax collectors were hated because they were ripping off their own people. That was the problem. Um, the Romans came and, and subjugated all of the Israelites and they would use Israelis to go collect the taxes that they needed to keep up the occupation. It would be kind of like if the Canadians invaded us. I know that's horrifying. If Canadians, they came down with their poutine and hockey sticks 
and, and, they, and they charged the border, and they, and they took us over, you know. And then the Canadians come, and they get Americans to take the taxes to uh, keep up their evil campaign. And everybody's walking around saying, A, and there's lots of French people around. You know, this would, it would just be a horrible situation. So to pay for all this, let's say they come to Anovo, and they get some Anovians to go be tax collectors to take the money. And, and, and people would be upset about that. You'd be frustrated if people who are your friends and claim to worship God are ripping you off, because they would take the tax, then they'd take a little extra for themselves, and they would get rich through that. You know, Rome wants $25. I'm going to say it's 45, and I'm going to pocket the 20. That's what Zacchaeus had been doing and Matthew. And these guys, they were not allowed to testify in court. Um, They were not allowed to give tithes in the synagogue. Now, you know you're bad when the church won't take your money, because the church will take anybody's money, won't they? That's how bad it was. And, and usually, you know, church would be, you know, the synagogue service is kind of like what we do a little bit, and we'd have the worship, and, and during the announcements, or whatever they did, then the, uh, the temple guards would come through the crowd, and they would remove anybody who was a notorious sinner. They'd usher those people out. You know, kind of interesting. There's a parable about that we're going to talk about in a few weeks. So you had the upper class centers, then you had the low class centers. Um, the oral tradition of the Pharisees uh, called these people Umhar Ariz. It was just people of the land, uh, just ordinary people who didn't care about God necessarily, uh, uneducated, probably never going to obey the law, normal sinners living their regular lives. There was a term for them that the Pharisees and religious leaders had. And the Pharisees treated both groups like they had no value. If you're making mistakes in your life, you're making bad decisions, the Pharisees treated you like you had no value, like you weren't important. And Jesus comes along and everybody is important to the Lord Jesus. And he's eating with them and he's spending time with them. And when you ate, some, when you ate a meal with somebody, this is not how it is today, but in Jesus' day, if you ate with people, you're basically saying to the world, these are my people. These are my people. And Jesus is eating with them, and the Pharisees are, and the religious leaders are having a hard time. And when you think about it, there's really a third category of the sinners here. That was the religious sinners. You know what I'm talking about? People that go to church, went to synagogue service, who think they're better than everybody else. That's who, that's who those people were. And that, that can creep into our thinking sometimes. You know what I'm saying? If you're a person trying to follow Jesus and you're making good choices in your life, if you're not careful, you can start looking down on people who are struggle, struggling a little bit, who are stumbling. And I think that's more offensive to God than just about anything. And we have to watch ourselves and make sure that we're not looking down on people because they're stumbling or struggling. And that's what Jesus was surrounded with, all these religious leaders that were doing that. So Jesus told them two parables. So what we're going to do, one, one was about a man, one was about a woman. So we're going to stand together and we're going to read both of these. So I'd like a man to read the first one and a woman to read the second one. Okay, so let's stand together. Luke 15, 3 through 10, a couple slides. If I can get a guy to read this first Um, this first parable to us. And so he told them this parable, saying, What man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, 
does not leave the other 99 in the open pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he puts it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my sheep that was lost. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who have no need of repentance. Thanks, Nick. If I could have a, a lady read the second one. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found the coin which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God. What over one sinner who repents. All right, you may be seated. So what are some things, what, are the, what do these two parables have in common? What are some, some themes in there? Anybody catch anything? Both lost something. Both found it. Both rejoiced with their friends when they found it. That's pretty good. You covered all the bases, man. Uh, that, that's, that's what happens, okay? One, the main character was a man. The other of the main character was a woman, which is really kind of unusual in that day when you really study about the Lord Jesus and how he treated people, what he did. Um, you know, I hear this saying that, well, the, the Bible is, a, is against women. And if you look at the Lord Jesus, how he treated people, women, women were in the center of his ministry and life. It's very interesting. Um, so he, he told this story that maybe the other rabbis weren't, weren't telling. So let's start with the one about the coin. Um, the, the woman was probably considered poor. She had 10 drachma coins, probably her, her life savings. One coin was probably worth uh, a day's wages for a common laborer. So you might say 60, 80, 100 dollars could be 120, somewhere around in there. And she had 10 of them and she lost one. And depending on how important something is to you, it determines the urgency with which you search for it, okay? Uh, what did she do when she lost the one coin? Eh, not a big deal. No, she was upset. Man, she, every, everyone knew that she had lost one of her coins, so she sweeps the house. She takes a broom. Now, these brooms were probably a bunch of sticks kind of tied together. When I was down in uh, Monterey, Mexico, I had a group of 20, 30 students with me, and we were doing some evangelism in Mexico, and we were going down the street inviting people to come to church that night, and we passed this guy's house that the front of his house was the house, but the back part, he had turned into a broom factory, and he was making these homemade brooms, and they were just cool looking. They were just, we were, everybody was fascinated, and he gave us a tour of his facilities, and and then we bought brooms from him, and, but they were very different than what we have today where they're plastic and everything's perfect. This was just an old rudimentary broom this lady had. And she had an oil lamp, probably burned olive oil with a wick. And she was hoping to sweep out everything from underneath and maybe shine that light and the light would catch that coin and, and reflect and you'd, she'd find her coin. Now houses in that day didn't have windows usually. Uh, the front door was kind of low, and you kind of go in, and there's no window, so it was kind of dark inside. Houses were often grouped together in little clumps with a courtyard area, 
and it'd be kind of like a little neighborhood area. And most people were just outside most of the time. So it was dark, and so it was hard for her to look in her house and find this. And everyone would have known what was going on. You know, how many of you guys like it when everybody knows your business? You know, in, in a Galilean village of that size back in the day, if you lost something, man, everyone in your little community would know and word would spread. And everybody knew that she was looking for this coin because it was a big deal. Well, eventually she finds it, and what's she do? Man, she celebrates, she calls her friends and neighbors, let's have a party, I had lost part of my inheritance, part of my savings, and I found it, and she was excited. And this is a picture of what God values. Jesus is saying to the people, I want you to know what I value. I want you to know what my Father values. When someone is lost and far away from God, I, I value them, and when they're found, when they come back, man, we just get excited. <laughs> we get excited. And he wanted to know, because the, the urgency with which you look for something is dependent on the value it has to you. And God cares about you, and He cares about me. He cares about people. 1 Timothy 2.3, this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who wants some people to be saved and come to knowledge of the truth, right? All. What's God's heart? That all people come to Him. All people. Okay, that's the first parable. Second parable, this one's, we, we know coins because we have coins. You know, we, if you lose 50 bucks, it's a big deal, okay? The second one's a little harder to figure out, okay? Let's say the man has got a flock. How many of you guys have flocks at home? Who has flocks of chickens? Okay, we've got flocks of chickens. This is flocks of sheep. Uh, once I, we, I used to videotape, we used to do live videotaping of my messages sometimes to put them in different contexts. And once I went out to a sheep farm and I shot a video in the sheep farm. And man, sheep are, sheep are hard, they're elusive. When you're with a bunch of, you can have a thousand sheep, and those sheep aren't going to let you touch them. They are moving and weaving and bobbing, and uh, it's, it's really interesting. But a flock of sheep in that day was like a small business. Any small business owners? You know, I used to own a small business. <clears throat> and the, this person has how many sheep in their business? Have a hundred, okay? That would have been a pretty good flock of sheep. If you had a hundred sheep, you would have had to have some under-shepherds to help you with the sheep, because a hundred sheep's a lot to keep, keep track of, okay? Out in the open, you know? If you had them in a pen, it's okay. But when you're out, a hundred sheep's a lot. So this guy's doing okay. The woman was probably poor, but this guy with his flock of a hundred sheep is, is doing pretty well. And Jesus says, if you had a hundred sheep and one of your sheep wandered off, what would you do? Because sheep were so valuable, probably like a small car or, you know, something of, if they, they weren't cheap. If you, if, sheep didn't just wander off from the shepherd. This is your money. This is your livelihood. People would have been, they'd have been like, what? A sheep wandered off? Is this guy not paying attention? And they would have been shocked. But Jesus says, if, if a sheep wanders off, what are you going to do? Now, most shepherds would send out one of the under-shepherds or they'd pay someone to go get that lost sheep because the sheep kind of deserves it, right? You know, just going to send out somebody to go get it who doesn't care about the sheep. But Jesus says, no, 
I'm the good shepherd. I'm going to go out and I'm going to look. I'm going to leave the 99 with the under shepherd and I'm going to go out and I'm going to walk and I'm going to be out in the dark and I'm going to call for my sheep. The shepherds, they still do. If you, if you go, go to the Middle East, they have calls and their sheep know their call. And people are doing that today. Shepherds are usually young boys or girls, 10 to 12 years old, and they have these calls and the sheep, know their, the sheep know their voice. So Jesus says, I would go out into the hills and valleys and mountains, and I would call for my sheep until I found them. And when I found them, I would, they're going to be in shock because it's dangerous out there for a sheep. And I'm going to take it, I'm going to put it on my shoulders, and I'm going to walk it back. Now that would have been shocking as well. Guess how much a sheep weighs? They've got a lot of fluff, but they've got a lot of meat. You know, I love lamb, by the way. Uh, they have a lot of meat. And so 60 to 90 pounds is the average sheep. Some sheep get huge. And there's, there's some weight on them. So Jesus, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick that sheep up and I'm going to walk it back. And he's saying that's just how God works. When, when we're far from him, he cares enough about us that he wants us to get it. He, he, he has a, God has a deep conviction. You know what that conviction is? That your life is going to be better if you're close to him. That's his conviction. He believes it very strongly. <laughs> and I believe it too. I believe it for my own life. My life is better when I'm close to the Lord. So he says, if you're not close, I'm gonna, whether you wander off or you just get lost, whether it's your fault or not your fault, I'm going to come looking. And I'm going to carry you back <laughs> and, and put you into a safe place. Now, now, parables had a purpose. When Jesus told these stories, it was designed for you to see yourself in the story. Okay? So when you, the woman with the lost coin, you know, it's a pretty easy one. Do you see yourself as the woman? Or do you see yourself as the lost coin? Yeah, I don't know. In the shepherd's story, do you see yourself as the shepherd? Or do you see yourself as the sheep? And Jesus is saying, who is the shepherd in the story, really? Who is he pointing to? Himself. I'm the shepherd. So that makes us what? The sheep. Is that a compliment? No, it's not. Sheep, sheep's is stupid. Sheeps wander, sheeps wander off. <laughs> sheeps get dirty. They're not smart sometimes. Uh, they're, they can't defend themselves. They're weak. Is anybody afraid of a sheep? If a, if a, if a truckload of sheep, um, you know, were in a truck on, on, on Kellogg and it turned over and all the sheep escaped onto the highway. You know, you might want to go catch a sheep. <laughs> you know, oh, let's go, the furry, pretty, let's go pet them, you know. If a, if a uh, truckload of lions escaped on, the, or bears escaped on, the, on Kellogg, you know, we're going to be staying home until every single one of those puppies is found, you know. But the sheep, they're not, they're not terrifying. What, are, what does mom and dad tell you to do when you're little and you can't sleep? Count sheep. You don't count monsters or... You know, scary things, you count sheep because they're fluffy and they're innocent. Can sheep defend themselves? Do they have fangs? The, is the Irish fanged sheep, there's no such thing. They have talons or claws. No, they, they can't defend themselves at all. Um, 
So it's not good when they wander off. They tend to get in trouble. They can't find their way home. And it's a problem. And Jesus said through Isaiah the prophet in Isaiah 53, 6, we read this, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, you know, um, and we've wandered off. And it's just a picture. You know, we, we, we go after some sin or temptation or struggle, something that's dangerous or bad for us. And, I, and I'll tell you, you know, some, I want to make sure I say this right. We all struggle with stuff that's not good for us. We all have different addictions, different challenges. What, what's tempting for me, and it might not be tempting for you. We all have our problems and issues. The thing that's tough with these temptations is, is that they're leading us away from the shepherd. And that's what the challenge is. And God has compassion for us. And I think, when I think of my own sin and my own mistakes, sometimes I'm just flat out rebellious. And God, I'm not going to do what you want. I'm going to do what I want. And, and we know people like that too. That's their struggle. It's not, it's not a matter of, it's not that you don't know. It's that I know what God wants. I'm going to do what I want. You know? And, 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 I, and I've been there before. But I also believe there's this aspect of sin and temptation where the devil just scams us. He knows our weaknesses. He tempts us. He, he sees the, all the possibilities and promise that God has baked into us. And he's, he knows that we totally just come home and follow Jesus. Man, what an what a asset we're going to be to the kingdom of God. He sees our promise and possibilities and how God can use us. So he's out there trying to scam people. One of the things that the enemy does, and we're not a devil church here. We don't talk about the devil all the time. But, I, but I've seen things, and I'll tell you this, that the, the, the enemy tries to wreck people as early as he can because he sees their possibilities and their promise. And there's nothing more more vile and despicable when the enemy is try, trying to ruin young kids. Because if you can ruin them early, it's harder to recover, but God can do anything. Amen. One of the things we believe for our neighborhood with children is that God can heal, and God can restore, and God can set free. And we believe that. It's so important to us. But that's what He does. So, I mean, there's, there's multifacets to this sin and, and, and wandering off kind of thing. We get scammed. Adam, Adam and Eve made a bad decision, but they also got scammed. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but in that day, they had an advantage because they knew, they knew shepherds. They were surrounded by shepherds. We don't know shepherds as well, but we, kinda, we, can, we, can, we can figure it out. Shepherds were kind of loners, by the way. Shepherds were kind of peculiar. They lived out by themselves. They, they slept with the sheep. They probably didn't take a bath all the time. They were just kind of weird outcasts on the outskirts of society people. And it's so interesting that Jesus identifies with shepherds. He, was, he lived the life kind of as on the, on the edge, skirting the edge as an outcast. People rejected him, and they didn't want what he was selling, you know. And he lived a tough life. And he wasn't rich, he was poor. 
he was kind of homeless at times during his ministry, and people rejected him, and he had a hard time. And he was not highly esteemed by people in his culture in his day, um, but he went looking for his sheep, and that's, a, that's good news for us. Again, how does God feel about you when you're wandering? How does God feel about you when you're being tempted and you're struggling? And, and we're all there. He loves you. He values you. He has a deep conviction that life is going to be better for you when you're close to Him. And He will reach out to you. And there's this mystery of life that I don't fully understand that God made us in His image, but He gives us absolute free choice to follow Him or not to follow Him. And our struggle is, you know, and my, my goal as a, as a pastor, I just want to help you to see how awesome it is for you when you follow Jesus. What a great thing it is. It's just, it makes life better. There's still complications, there's still problems, there's still challenges, but when I follow Him, life is just better. We get a family, <laughs> He gets involved, and, and in general, things become simpler. We have battles and challenges. Just try being a pastor sometimes. We have challenges and battles. But it is, it is so much better with Him. And that's what's so important. Now, Jesus never missed an opportunity to give a little jab at the religious leaders because they were so harmful to the people with their arrogant, self-important attitude. And there was a there was a saying among the rabbis in that day, some of the Pharisees, that there are three kinds of people. There were completely righteous people that didn't need to repent. Guess who they were talking about? Themselves. <laughs> there were completely wicked people that if they tried to repent, it probably didn't do any good. And then there were just the ordinary people that probably needed to repent. And when, when, when Jesus made this statement... Uh, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 persons who need no repentance. Who was he talking about? He was making, he says, you guys think you're the 99 who never go astray, never stumble, never have problems. You don't need to repent. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about everybody else who needs to repent because all we like sheep have gone astray. Real quick to wrap up, I wanted to say this. That word repenting is kind of a church word, but it's how we come home. It's how we come home. When, we, when we've not been following Jesus and we want to start following Jesus, part of the process is repenting. We just admit that our way is not going to be, it's not going to be good enough, that we can't save ourselves, that we need the Lord. When we make mistakes, even as Jesus' followers... We have to admit it when we do. We can't hide it. You know, you don't want a pastor who's hiding their make mistakes and sins and trying to cover things up. I don't want to be that person either. You know, we, we can't be, the way we keep our hearts tender before the Lord is when we mess up, we admit it. And there's times I say, God, if I'm, if I'm wrong here, Lord, help me to see if I need to repent over something. We pray that. You know, we don't, we don't live under that false guilt all the time. But every once in a while, it's kind of like, Lord, if I'm, if I'm messing up here, show me. Because I don't want to be a person. Because when we don't repent, our hearts get hard. They get harder and harder and harder. The more, the more we say no to God, the more we walk away, the more we say, God, I don't, I'm not ready for your way. I'm going to do it my way. The danger in that is our hearts get harder. 
Uh, there, there's some, some Christians with some really, really hard hearts because even though they're showing up for church, they're saying no to God all the time. And that's dangerous. And we don't want to be like that. Going to church doesn't mean you're automatically following Jesus. It's a great part of the process, okay? So we, there are times when if I'm a sheep, like if Jesus went and, and picked up a sheep that was lost, searched for it for two days, it's covered in dirt and brambles and twigs, and it's, it's been running, it's out of breath because there's been predators chasing it, and it's bleeding because it fell, and he picks it up and he brings it back to the fold and puts it there and says, now you're safe. And he says, what are you doing, Jesus? I was just fine. I had everything under control. I didn't need you to come get involved in my life. You know, that would just be ridiculous, you know? And we can do that, but his, we have to admit that, man, God, thank you for rescuing me. Maybe some of you today, you can, you're in touch with that. God, where would I be if you hadn't gotten involved? If these friends hadn't talked to me about you? If, if I hadn't, if, I, if, you, if your Holy Spirit hadn't reached out to me, where would I be? I tell you, I would be one ugly son of a gun. <laughs> I tell you, heathen, corrupt, hurting people, if it wasn't for the mercy and grace of the Lord Jesus in my life. I am so glad that he came and got me. And, and, I, and I look at it, and I can't take a lot of credit for it because, man, God just set me up to know him. Our our goal, if we're far from him, is to admit that we're far, to say, God, you made a way for me through Jesus. Lord, thank you that you died on the cross for me. Lord, I want to, I want to be your disciple. I want to follow you. I want to be close. If we know Jesus and we've wandered away and we know there's stuff in our life that's not cool and it's a problem, we admit it. Sometimes we've got to ask God for help. God, I, I can't say I don't like this, but I'm stuck and I need your help. And we ask him, and then he gets involved. Mercy and grace. We've all been there. <laughs> you know, I'm there sometimes, for sure. And we admit it and we ask him for help and we trust him. Life is, more, life is less complicated when we're close to Jesus and when we let him get involved, there is a party, and he's excited because the more passion you have when you search for something is determined by the value it has to you, and you are valuable to him, and he loves you. Let me pray for us. Um. Lord, we just want to thank you for your heart for us, that we don't, there's no misunderstandings or confusion that you love us, you care about us. God, you're, you're wanting to be involved. And Lord, we need it. So we thank you. Lord, we confess to you right now, and this is just between you and the Lord. Anything in our life, God, that we know is just, has been something that's taken us away from you. Any temptation, any challenge, any, any willful, rebellious sin that we're involved in right now, <laughs> which we've all done. Lord, we just, we just want to be honest with you. So God, here it is. We want you to know. And Lord, we ask for your help right now. Lord, come and get involved. Lord, if we're struggling, if we're straying, if we're far away, Lord, come get involved and, and lead us back to that place of security and 
safety with you, which we really need. God, we love you today, and we thank you for being involved. Lord, thank you that we're valuable to you. Lord, if there's anybody here today that's not made that initial decision of saying, I want to follow Jesus, Lord, I thank you that the, the opportunity is there today and that you are gracious and compassionate. You love us just the way that we are. You love us just the way that we are. And God, we thank you for all you're doing in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.